My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. I am Iron Man. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Post Credit Pod. Happy New Year's to everybody out there. Eric, this is our first show of 2021. I'm excited, man. We're starting the year off on the right foot. It's been a while. This is our first show in a week as well. I don't think we've taken this long of a break in months. No, and like we're constantly talking about it through text and through Google Docs, and then we're we're chatting on air, and then we do a bunch of off-air chatting on Zoom. So like it's I usually an say, all-encompassing though, thing. I I gotta say though, for a year that was devoid of like mainstream content, we've been absolutely loaded these last two months between Mando and the Midnight Sky and Wonder Woman, and now we're getting into Soul. We got WandaVision next week. I mean. It's and might times. I say, we've done a great job of covering it. I, I would like to think so. <laughs> so today on the kind of tail end of the holiday season, we want to jump into Soul and then a larger conversation about Pixar ahead of our Pixar movie draft later this week. Uh, you know, Soul came out on Disney Plus D- December 25th, Eric. I think we need to get into it because I think this is a special film overall. <laughs> Is this heaven? No, it's the great before. This is where new souls get their personalities, quirks, and interests before they go to Earth. Meet 22. I don't want to go to Earth. Stop fighting this. I don't want to. Uh. <laughs> Eric, you and I, for as, as much as we love the big macho blockbusters and superheroes, you and I are definitely some big crybabies when it comes to Pixar. Like, we, we feel that stuff. I go into their films like, all right. We're going to go through some shit right now. Like that is sort of the draw for me. Like I go into it knowing I'm going to be in touch with feelings that I'm not always in touch with, whether it because be because I just don't think about them or because I don't want to. <laughs> Pixar will like bring you to a spot that even normal adult films really can't. As soon as we found out that this one was called Soul, you just knew that that we were just in for some absolute shit. It is extremely cathartic, and it is always a huge emotional release. At least they're good ones. I cry multiple times during most Pixar movies, which I am not even remotely embarrassed to admit, because I I could cry during a friggin' you know, American Idol audition of like, you know, a girl who overcame like some affliction. I'd be like, wow, this is beautiful. I love this. (laughs) So I think Pixar does a great job. Now, Soul specifically, I want to get your like rapid reaction review for anyone who's still on the fence about watching it. Because, you know, not everyone is as crazy as us that watched it the second it was available. Well, so the first thing I'd say is it's, and this is not a new take, this take has been out there, but it's far and away their most adult film, um, both in terms of the themes, which is obvious. It's called Soul. It's about life and death and what you're meant to do. So that's a given that the themes were going to be on the more mature side. Sure. What's surprising is the way that it that that seems to work its way into the humor too. Whereas like movies like uh, you know the Pixar films or Shrek, it feels like they're trying to layer adult jokes into what's a kid's film but soul feels like it's sneaking in kid jokes to take a break from the adult plot and the adult theme so in that sense it is very unique in the way that it was constructed not to just entertain adults who may watch on their own or may watch with kids but to truly engage them yeah. You know, you watch 
inside, you know, uh, I watched inside out with my mom, uh, this past week or so. And she was in absolute stitches and she was like, Oh, that's cute. Like she really loved it. But even soul for her, she was like, Whoa, that was very weird. Like that was a lot. So I guess your mileage on how much you enjoy going down that road may vary, but if you do, this is a Pixar experience unlike anything else that they've put out so far. Yeah, I, I got to agree with you on almost everything you just said. I wrote about this in my review for Observer, but I would say, and we're going to get into it more here in this podcast, that Pixar's greatest strength is perhaps its ability to take complicated emotional and psychological concepts and then channel them into adorable enjoyable animation for kids without trojan ever horse actually done- i yeah. I, I have the same notes but i called it trojan horse because that's really what they're doing totally. right they're they're sneaking themes that not to put on the whole tough guy act but i'm a 27 year old male right that's not really prime crying time it's not when you sit around and and feel things you know unless you're me or and I'm, you know, and I'm, not, and I'm not hating on that by any str- like in it of itself that's fine but I'm just saying I don't have I don't have the sort of things that in my life day to day that draw those sort of feelings out right. of me every time you sit down to watch these you know Wally is about love up is about loss and how you find yourself after that loss inside out is about emotion and family soul is about purpose and passion so what they're doing is they're sneaking as you just said these grand ideas into this colorful kid-sized package and what i love about it too all pixar movies for the most part is that they accomplish that without without ever dumbing down the message or or playing down to the age of the intended audience which i think is a really smart decision and a tough decision to make because it's so easy to do that from a storytelling perspective. And when I look at Soul and I look holistically at Pixar, what began as a relatively straightforward lesson about friendship or relationships or, or thinking beyond oneself as told in Story and A Bug's Life, which were Pixar's first two movies in the 90s, have now become these metaphysical meditations on humanity's deep well of often conflicting emotions and an exploration of the afterlife in Inside Out, in Coco. That is a hell of a leap for a children's animation movie studio. But Soul, which is directed by Pete Docter, who did Inside Out, and co-directed by Kemp Powers, who is a rising force in screenwriting. He also co-wrote, he also wrote One Night in Miami. Soul is the next chapter in Pixar's journey. This this really whimsical and, and poignant metaphor for why we're all here in the first place that has truly ambitious concepts and truly ambitious visuals. So if you haven't seen Soul yet, regardless of whether you love or hate it at the end of watching it, it is something I think you need to see if you're even remotely interested in these movies, you know? Yeah, and and I'll get to this when we get towards like the end of the film, but especially now, its themes and the, the message that it's trying to send hit harder right now in this year, in this day and age, yeah than it likely ever would. So it's like a double whammy of Mm -hmm. time and place that make this film work. I I agree. Now I want to talk about, and we'll do it in in chunks, basically two of Pixar's, what I believe their greatest attributes are as a storytelling production studio. And I would say the first one I want to talk about is 
their unbelievable desire and fearlessness to just keep fucking going for it. So Babe Ruth call their shot and just hit it out of the park. And what I mean by that is that they have this really impressive ambition to keep expanding Pixar's scope and scale in distinct ways. You know, they could easily just sit on their asses and keep churning out Toy Story 4 and 5 and 6 and whatever works from them on a formula level, but they don't. And then this is, again, two ways I think that are representative in Soul, and that's visual, number one. Aesthetically, I think Soul is probably the boldest and maybe the most gorgeous Pixar film right up there with an Inside Out, with a, a New Coco. York City looks like a painting in every single shot. Yeah, I it's think, unbelievable. Queens, and, and it's just... I'm glad you mentioned New York City because Im- immediately when you go into this movie, slight spoilers. The great before and the great beyond are so gorgeous and creative. And then in the middle of that, you have, you know, these two metaphysical realms bookending this movie. In the middle of that, you have this immaculately recreated New York City, like you mentioned, that makes you feel like, damn, I want to be on a crowded street eating pizza. It's also the first time that they've taken their talents to the street in that sense. I think it's the first time that an american city has ever really been involved in the plot of the film i know in inside out they move to san fran but you don't really see them walking the streets of san fran applying the pixar way of creation to a city that i desperately miss right now like i miss the bustling noise and color of those streets so applying the pixar touch to new york it, it as you just said, and I try very hard at these times not to be a prisoner of the moment, but this is probably their most gorgeous film for sure. Yeah, I mean, when you're giving real New York City addresses and name checking real clubs that used to exist, I mean, that's just special. And and of course, we benefit a little bit more from being tri-staters that are constantly interacting with New York City and have grown up around it. But I think anyone regardless of where you're from in the country or the world, will feel, and this is cliche, but true, as if New York is very much a character on its own in this movie and, and helps define some of the storylines and, and why our main character, Joe Gardner, played by Jamie Foxx, is the way he is. Yeah, like when uh, Moonwind says where he is in real life, he's like, yeah. I'm, on the, I'm on the corner of uh, 14th and 7th. Like that's such, hearing that in the Pixar world is such like an ear-perking moment because yeah. it, at the same time draws you out of it and into it because it's acknowledging the real world, which when you do that in a film is inherently going to draw you out of it, but it draws you into the idea that these are real world themes that we're dealing with here. And Moonwind voiced by Graham Norton, which I didn't realize in the moment, but then afterwards I was like, how did I miss that? Yeah. <laughs> now, the, now the second sub bullet of this overarching topic about Pixar's ambition is that I think conceptually they continue to push boundaries. Uh, you know, here, as was the case with Coco, they are focusing on the afterlife and the different dimensions that that may exist within. Uh, questions about life's purpose and our purpose within that life. Very heady adult themes synthesized into more easily digestible constructs that can be enjoyed and appreciated by kids and especially for soul felt by adults, like you said. So this metaphysical focus on, on you know, emotions personified, souls pre and post birth and, and death, ghosts uh, coming on the heels of a big focus of toys and fish and cars and dinosaurs. 
that's a really impressive step in my opinion. And, and, and not just are they able to communicate these intensely dense ideas and themes, but they're able to do so in such a strikingly gorgeous way. Like the, the Jerry's and Terry, who's voiced by, I don't know if you've seen hunt for the, yeah, we've talked about it. And she's the people, right. So she is amazing in this, just everything about it from, a, what they actually are, the coming together of all quantized fields of the universe. That's a remarkably uh, scientific phrase to <laughs> throw in there in a form and then saying in a form that our tiny brains comprehend to their design being this shape-shifting Picasso-esque yeah. forms to their vaguely Australian accents. It's just this remarkable intersection of genius choices one on top of the next to and that is sort of how they've built their brand right only pixar could pull that off only pixar could turn the concept of an omnipotent being into a funny kid friendly and adult friendly character that's magic in and of itself yeah i said to me uh, i said in my review for observer that the great before looks like a more ethereal preschool version of Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, yeah. which I'm going to pat myself on the back on that one because I thought it was so whimsical and, and so colorful and so truly fantastical in such a fun way. Quiet coyote, quiet yeah. coyote. <laughs> so- and there's this also, there's this overwhelming sense of calm to it too. Like yeah. despite the fact that Joe is literally just been sucked out of his life, you get the sense of like, you get that daycare feeling. There is the ever-present sense of tranquility that I very much hope if there's an afterlife and a before life, I hope that it has that quality because that's gonna what gonna be what I want to feel. Because I'm like, oh shit, I'm fucking dead. They're like, hey, relax, yeah, I'm good. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I would definitely love it if the heavens were scored by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. It, it would be definitely a huge plus <laughs> in my book. All right, now the second huge attribute that I think helps define Pixar over the last 20 some some odd years as well is consistency. Now, I want everyone listening to think about the highest grossing film series in history. You know, that's MCU, Star Wars, Wizarding World, Spider-Man, X-Men, Batman, James Bond, DCEU, Middle Earth, Jurassic World, Transformers, Fast and Furious, Pirates of the Caribbean, these massive blockbuster franchises. Now, Pixar is more of a brand than a franchise, but you guys know what I mean. Of every single one of those big money brands, there is little question in my my mind that Pixar is among the most high quality from a film-to-film consistency basis. Soul is their 23rd film since I believe they launched in 96 with Toy Story. And I think you can count the stinkers on one hand, and you can hardly say that for the others. Uh, you know, Pixar is more consistently good than just about any other major brand or franchise in contemporary cinematic history. And that's pretty amazing that you essentially are consistently batting a thousand almost. You know, and you could make a case that two of those uh, quote unquote stinkers are a result of, you know, their own business doings. Like, it's not like they fell short in terms of being. Which ones would you count as the stinkers? I think Cars 2, Cars 3, but that is, but that's not, but but so my point is that those aren't failures because their creativity let them down. It's because Disney's 
business sense probably overrided that like hey, churn out more cars. So I don't, I, I don't even really hold that against them. I don't even think brave, which is consistently I ranked like towards the bottom. I don't think brave is all that bad. Um, I like it. Full on. I think the only one I haven't seen yet is finding Dory. It's okay. So I never saw th- monsters university. That one's okay. And then I, uh, I probably saw the good dinosaur once, but I think that one's not that good either. Yeah, Even good. onward, like for guys like us, like that I really like fantasy onward, realm honest. type shit was really cool. Yeah. So I'm also a little brother. So onward, like, hit me so hard i got out of the movie theater and cl- immediately called my big brother i was like hey man i just want to say i love you and he's yeah, like why that, are you crying i'm like yeah, i just I saw can only imagine yeah, yeah 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 so so that that was really good and so we so often pour over these mainstream blockbuster uh films and, and tv series which is the whole reason why you and i have a podcast we pour over them we dissect them we analyze we find every little flaw and through all that scrutiny Pixar continues to hold up. And I and I just think from a storytelling perspective, even as they've gone through some hierarchical upheaval with the creative executives, I cannot believe that they are still hitting it at this high of a level. It is remarkable when you look around you, when you look around Hollywood's graveyard of failed blockbuster attempts, you know? And it's even more credible considering that they're trying to hit two targets they're trying to appeal to both adults and kids you don't make soul if you're only trying to sell to kids that's just a fact so the fact that they're doing two things at once and doing it of such a high and consistent quality and not even of a high quality for animated films a high quality for films in general i would argue that you know think about the jokes in soul right from the various historical figures trying to mentor 22 to hippies pretty much connecting to the astral plane through a wink and nod at drugs because he shows up in like a tie-dye pirate ship to the joke about a black guy having a hard time trying to get a cab i mean these are extremely adult concepts that they are and they throw in a new york knicks joke which uh, is, yeah. just blew me away uh, a banger of a shot at the knicks but not only are they doing that i would argue that that montage of joel replaying all the small things in his life that he realizes is what makes up a life is one of the most emotionally affecting scenes in any film from the past year right like yeah Joe finally understands the meaning of life through someone who doesn't have one, right? He understands how special his life is by watching 22 experience it for the first time. And that's an idea of the have and have nots, right? It's Robin Williams standing up on a desk screaming, carpe diem, seize the day. It's the same thing as Ferris Bueller looking you dead in the eyes and saying, if you don't stop and look, you'll miss it all. These are ideas putting your life in perspective that are simultaneously perpetuated and ignored. People want to live like this and they want to say that they live like this but rarely do and maybe it's because of the last year and maybe it's because of the age that i'm at and i know sort of where my life was and where it's going are two very different things but soul delivered and emoted the idea of seizing the day and enjoying every last ounce of your life as effectively as i've ever seen in film despite the fact that that's such a widely attempted concept that films try and wrap their heads around. 
And as you mentioned, they do so in a thought-provoking, heady way. Uh, of course, this movie is very much about finding your own purpose within the greater overarching journey that is life. And I thought it was really, really special and really insightful that they pointed out that your passions are not your purposes, which are often conflated. And I remember, this is probably 2011-ish, Jamal Crawford, a very popular, talented basketball player, joined Twitter. Uh, you know, this is about a decade ago. And I, I was huge into basketball then. I still love it now. And I, and I immediately followed him. And I remember his Twitter bio from then was, I'm a basketball player, but basketball doesn't define me. And that has stuck with me all these years, that notion that the thing he's most famous for, the thing he's best at, the thing he spends all his time doing does not encompass all of who he is. And I was watching Soul and I was immediately brought back to that idea that what we do and what we love doesn't necessarily always define who we are. And that's okay. And that's okay to have an identity that exists without, outside of what we most care about and are most interested in doing because it makes us more multifaceted, fuller individuals. It makes us people, flaws, strengths, interests, hobbies, things we don't like, things we do like. It paints the entire picture of us. And so for a kid's movie, to be able to distill that notion into such a gorgeously, visually pro uh, provocative manner that also hits and pulls on the heartstrings I mean, bravo, Saul. Bravo. Yeah, for real. I had put out in a tweet when I first watched it that I'm not sure it cracks my top five Pixar films. But as you said, just the she their sheer willingness to just go for it. Yeah. Pulls it up a few rungs for me. Like they're trying to figure out a way to explain to children that it's not about the destination it's about the journey it's not about finding yourself it's about being yourself and to do so in a way that my and i always like to point out on this show or i don't know if i do it on this show but i do in our text when you could make a four quadrant film when me my mom and dad and sister can all sit down and watch this and feel something to this yeah. that's a special thing and I do like that you said it may not crack your top five because we are raving about it, but it's also worthwhile to point out some of the things maybe we didn't necessarily fall in love with. Like for me, I don't think it fully coalesces as cleanly as other Pixar movies. I think, you know, the last third is a bit of a kind of sprint to the finish. And I would also say as a whole, the movie probably relies a little bit more on snappy exposition to explain what's going on rather than raw emotion. But, you know, like we've been saying, Pixar is going for it. They're bold and they're not afraid to take a risk and to take a swing. And that brings it up a rung or two in my book, like you said. Well, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say that my biggest probably complaint with the film is despite its grandness, I would say that its actual plot is not as adventurous as most Pixar films could be. Like at the end of the day, it's just a body swap film, right? Like that's sort of, that that is sort of the driving force of the plot. What makes it work is that I or it, its ideas and its themes and its uh, the settings are what are the grandiose parts exactly. But the, the actual plot, like if you compare the plot of Onward, I to was this, just thinking about that. I was Onward, literally making that comparison. Onward is a gen like a genuinely well constructed, quest forwardly film. moving quest. Exactly. So I would say that the plot 
fall short. But when you're dealing with such existential themes, I will give you a pass that perhaps you don't have the tightest script. Totally. And, and I would say, you know, onward versus soul, I would take soul. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and just to put this in context, like I, I was on a animation kick. So uh, Spies in Disguise is currently on uh, HBO Max. And it's is just it like watching. You could just see the difference in quality, right? Like it's a well-made, it's a good idea. It's slick. It's fun. It's very much more for kids. But you could just see the shelf and the gulf between Pixar and everyone else. Like my mom was cracking up when they're on the uh, the great before and Jerry sends like, all right, you five go be aloof and you two, why not? Like that's such a brilliantly <laughs> subtle joke that you're just not going to find anywhere else. It's and really they like come out all like aloof. I'm a megalomaniac, <laughs> you know, that, yeah, that was, that so was just, great. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and it only makes me more hype for where they're going next. Next, we get Luca, which is going to take place on the Amalfi Coast, which is just like awesome. I mean, Jesus Christ, you couldn't think of a more picturesque locale. I'm not sure what the plot is. All they've said so far is that it's about two friends. So I'm sure that's going to fuck me up as well. (laughs) Uh, And then as we've talked about on this show a bunch, Lightyear is... I have a bonus point. I want to get to that. On paper... Outside of, you know, making a film about the actual fucking soul and life and death is probably the coolest concept I've heard them have and maybe ever, you know, because we're big sci-fi guys. So the idea of a Buzz Lightyear origin story, (laughs) Pixar, it just blows my mind. My last point about Pixar is that it's related to Lightyear. After Toy Story 4, Pixar made good on its word by lining up four plus original non-sequel movies and we're getting more in Luca and Encanto and Red Panda at the same time they have cleverly and some might say cynically I say cleverly figured out a way to continue to leverage the Toy Story IP in a way that to me doesn't feel like a soulless cash grab it is actually legitimately exciting and that is the Chris Evans led sci-fi epic Lightyear now, all of Pixar movies, to a certain degree, you could maybe classify as sci-fi because there's otherworldly stuff going on, but they're not really sci-fi I would movies. say the only other sci-fi that they have is Wally, which is their best film to me. So the bar is incredibly high. Yeah, and so, you know, even though there's otherworldly stuff, I wouldn't necessarily classify the majority of Pixar films as sci-fi. This is going to be a space epic, which is immediately an ears perker for you and I. It's going to be Chris Evans, potentially our number one bro crush we we've cycled through a couple a couple it, it depends on if he's got the beard or not because infinity war bearded chris evans was not fair forget about <laughs> it <laughs> not and fair, dude. of course it is going back to the buzz lightyear canon we'll say by giving us a story about the real life inspiration for the toy so again is it capitalistic that they are rebranding Toy Story in this new way? Absolutely. Does it sound fucking awesome in my opinion? Absolutely. And do you absolutely trust them to nail it? Of course. If you yeah. look at the one screen grab that's out for this, it just you could just see the scene in your head. Main engine start. It's like first uh, man, but Pixar. And, yep. Just like, oh dude. So I yeah, now I what think- I'm curious about, and now we're off off the rails here entirely. Is it going to be about going out into the great unknown or coming home? 
That's a great question. Wow. <laughs> yep, That's because great you question. know that they're coming with that clip loaded. You I wonder if it. it's going to be both. And it's right? about our humanity's reach and Well, he must get and- home at some point because there's a toy based on him. Um, Unless so he's you- immortalized by his tragic, untimely death by Bud Yeah, Lightyear. no, I don't seriously, think- who knows? And I'm also fascinated in terms of, like, the reason why he's out there. You know what I mean? Like, is it, like, is he, like... Is it like Asa or is he like Star Trek? Like where, where we go, dude, I'm so excited. And I think I'm this so comes much. out 2022, maybe. So I not that long. What they said, but I, I'm super excited. And I just think we're, we're talking about Pixar's attributes overall. And I think an ability to balance commerce and art in this way, impressive. All right, Eric, before we, we conclude this whole soul conversation, we got to do what we always do. Let us rate soul. At one out of 10 hopping Pixar lamps, what do you give it? Okay, so I think the key is to give some context here of sort of how this scale might work, right? So I'm going to give Wally a perfect 10 just to, just to give the scale some weight. So knowing that Wally's a 10 and, you know, an inside out is probably a nine ish, I'm going to give Soul an 8.5, 8.5 lamps. I was going to give Soul 8.6 lamps. Oh, wow. Wow. Just the to, point one more. To, yeah. Why is that? Uh, because I was like, you know, 8.5. Well, everybody says 8.5. And I think this is a little bit better than 8.5. Fair so enough. you know what? I went Fair with enough. 8.6 Pixar lamps. Okay. So pretty good. All right. Well, that'll do it for our Soul discussion. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you guys check it out on Disney Plus if you haven't already. And if you liked what we were talking about with Pixar as, as a company and Soul in general, be sure to tune in to our Pixar movie draft with the Diz Insider team later this week. We're really excited. It's Diz Insider versus Postcred Pod, so you know we're bringing our A game. Yup, and you've got the MVP drafter back drafting since I didn't take part in the last one. I'm back and ready. Um, All right, we got our heavy hitter back. But y'all, 2021 is the year of leaving us a review. So yes. head on over to Apple Podcasts, give us some five stars, write something nice about us hell you could write something mean about us as long as it's five stars i don't really care something nice would be better for our pride um and if you write something really nice and really funny we'll read it on air for for sure sure, for sure and we have got the mcu coming back next week so you want to be on our good side Uh, all right y'all talk to you later